Welcome. This is the WP Tonic Podcast. This is our Saturday Blab, and today we're talking about how best to evaluate a WordPress developer company or maintenance service. And what this episode is going to be about is, say you're a business owner and you need someone to work on your site or you know build you a new site. How do you go about choosing? It's very tricky, and a lot of people don't do this that often. So we're going to share our insight. Let me introduce our panel. First, Kim, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Kim Schivler. I actually uh, am not someone for you to hire to do development. I teach. I teach people how to build WordPress websites and online courses. I have been coding HTML since 1995. Uh, so I've got long time chops as a developer and uh, working with WordPress since 2012. Awesome. Jackie, hey, introduce um, yourself. Yep, I'm Jackie D'Elia, Jackie D'Elia Designs. I just run my own uh, agency, and I build websites and help customers promote their brand and drive customer engagement. So that's really what I'm focused on. Cool. Been in WordPress since probably 08. Nice. So. Okay. Well, I'm a newbie here. Uh, my name is John Locke. I have a small WordPress consultancy in Sacramento. Uh, lockdown design, and I've only been in WordPress since about 2011. So, but there you go. Um, before we get into today's main topic, uh, let's talk just about like two really quick like uh, stories that are in WordPress right now. And one of them is is that Woo Themes, uh, the people behind WooCommerce, they're now re redirecting that URL to WooCommerce. Uh, did everybody see this coming, or what are your thoughts on this? I'm surprised it wasn't done years ago. It, you know, they really have been known as the WooCommerce company for several years. And while, yes, they had themes that went along with the e-commerce platform, a la Canvas and Superstore and all these other themes that were built to work with WooCommerce, they... I think everyone knows them as WooCommerce. I was always trying to wonder why I was explaining to students they need to go to WooThemes.com to find the WooCommerce information. Jackie? Yeah, uh, it was an interesting article. And actually, one of the comments in there was really right on point. It was saying, uh, somebody named Steve wrote in there, it says, between 2006 and 2010, themes are hot, Woo themes. <laughs> 2011 to 2015, plugins are hot, WooCommerce. 2016 onwards, software as a service is hot, WooCommerce Connect. So it's it's just a natural progression of things um, where the focus is right now. And software as a service is a big focus right now too, as you kind of migrate from real plugin dependencies um, versus just using software as a service. Like Optin Monster is a good example of what they did recently. So I thought it was good. And I, I definitely think it's probably, you know, the theme market is is very overpopulated and it makes more sense um, since most of that is, I think the reason it was purchased was for WooCommerce. So why not yeah. just have that be the, the place where everything lands, at least for now? I am glad that you stated all that, Jackie, because that's exactly what I think. Uh, the theme market... The theme marketplaces like five or six, seven, eight years ago were totally hot. But I think the focus in the developmental community has really shifted toward plugins because I think themes as a business model is 
a lot harder to make work in 2016 than it was in 2008. And as far as Woo themes, I think most of their business really comes from WooCommerce and the extensions. I mean, WooCommerce is free, but really their business model is, you know, extending it out and uh, selling extensions. And I think they generate, I'm just going to guess, and I think they generate a lot more revenue from that than they do their themes. And I think this rebranding is good because that's what it is. Uh, it, it reminds me of uh, 37 Signals rebranding to Basecamp. Uh, earlier this year. And I do agree with you that software as a service is the, you see it happening everywhere else. You see Adobe, they don't sell the actual product. They make you buy a subscription for the creative cloud with Microsoft. You don't just buy word anymore. And you could like five years ago. Now you have to, you know, subscribe. So I think a lot of things are, are headed that direction. Now, what do you two think about how soon are we going to see WooCommerce itself like rolled into the WordPress.com offering? And, and for people who don't know, that's the paid like hosted uh, platform that Automatic has. I, you know, I don't really have any gauge on whether that how that's going to evolve over time it looks you know from what they were saying here 85 percent of the overall sales of uh, woo themes was just woocommerce um so it seems like if they were going to roll all of that in then they would be um cutting off all of the activity and sales that you get for all of the dot org sales that go on so i'm not sure um how that's going to play out that's a good point uh kim I, I'm kind of the same. I, I don't know. And I think that I, I don't even know like if it, if it is because they're going to the WooCommerce Connect thing, if maybe that's just where the focus is going to be. You know, I really just, I, I'm not 100% sure. Having said that, I'm not an expert on WordPress.com. I don't use it. Well, you know, just as a as somebody who ran a Yahoo store for eight years, that's what I did from pretty much, I think, 2002 to 2010 or so. Um, that was a really nice hosted solution. And at the time, it was a really good option if you wanted to have an online store and sell products. It managed all of your inventory, your ship. It did everything. It was really good. It's not anymore. I mean, that is not where people are going now. But it seems like, to me, a hosted e-commerce solution would be a really good destination point. Um, I think that might make things easier. It, it's difficult to set up a WooCommerce site um, when, as a self-hosted one, it is. I just did one recently. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's, you can't do it. I'm just saying there's a lot of steps to it. There's a lot of things you have to do. There's a lot of extra work in it. And if you're pricing a project based on building out a site as a, a, with e-commerce, you really need to be thinking about how much time you're gonna be spending on the e-commerce side of it because it, in it may end up cost taking about twice as much of your time to do a site like that versus um, just a standard website. And I, I would agree with that so much. And also, um, I haven't built. I, I built out several WooCommerce sites when I when I did custom work for or did client work. It wasn't even just the time. It was by the time you went through the customer requirements and the price of all the different extensions. You know, all of a yeah. sudden it became, you know, 
$1,000 in extensions by the time they wanted shipping from this, shipping from that, and variations and all of this. It just like became multiple, multiple extensions. It became crazy. And all of a sudden, you, I was looking at things like Shopify for people where they could have a one place, which I, which I think is where I think was where automatic's going with this, right? That that's the, kind of the competitive point would be something like a, a Shopify. But it, it was all there for them and they weren't worried about updates every week and everything else uh, because of how convoluted it was to set up all those different extensions with WooCommerce. That's the, that's the other thing, and that's a good point, Kim, is that once you have your site, somebody really needs to keep managing that. I mean, you're, you're talking about uh, you're, you're managing transactions, people's credit cards, updates need to make sure they're applied. Somebody needs to test whether the updates are going to break the site. Uh, there's lots of things to do, and you know, if you're running a, a pretty large site, that's all just critical stuff. It has to be done. If you're a small mom and pop um, online shop, um, it still can cause you problems. If you get an update from a plugin and it causes a problem that you don't uh, you don't notice right away. I mean, that's the thing. When you load something right. and it breaks something, you can easily go in and do a quick restore or something else. But when you don't know there's a problem and three or four days or five days later, you start to realize something isn't right, that's that's where a lot more time is required to manage those sites. And I think a hosted yes. solution um, yeah. probably makes much more sense for a mom and pop or a small business that wants to have an e-commerce site, because that's why I did it with the Yahoo store. It was not, I didn't have to do, I, I coded the website. I built out the website. I built out the pages, the products, did all the, you know, the images, laid it all out. You could pretty much get free reign to do most of those things that you wanted and make it look exactly how you wanted it to look. There really weren't any themes. You basically just built it out. Right. But you didn't have to manage the whole back end and worry about updates and, you know, compatibility issues and security issues and all of those other factors that go into an e-commerce site. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I, you know, I know like I had an issue with some of my, with one that was a WooCommerce uh, and like I said, it had like 10 of the different extensions and we came out with one of the updates and one of their own extensions broke the whole site. So maybe that goes back to our original conversation when we first started this is, you know, where do you see that going? And now maybe that we're chatting about it back and forth, it's starting to become more clear that probably it's going to a hosted solution for the most part. I would say that that makes a lot more sense. I think, you know, there's always going to be people that want to manage their own self-hosted solution and want to own all their content. And there are issues with building your store on somebody else's platform because they control, you know, you're renting the land your store is built on. So, you know, you that's a concern. If you plan on growing that business later and, um, you know, whether or not there's transaction fees, one of the downsides on the Yahoo store that I had was, you know, they had a pretty high transaction fee. I think it was like one and three quarters percent or something like that. It, it, it was it was expensive um, once you started growing your sales. And we weren't real big. We maybe were doing like half a million dollars in sales a year. So but it adds up. Those fees add up and it gets attractive then where you want to just go and self-host it. But then you just need to make sure you have somebody to manage it or you've, you're setting aside time to manage it properly. Absolutely. I so agree with you. And also, if you're doing self-hosted and we're talking WordPress still, because that's what we talk about here, there are pieces that a lot of people, particularly if you haven't built out a site like this before, or you're not maybe on the technical side, that go even way beyond the, the plugins themselves, et cetera. So for example, you know, 
those of us who are on the technical side understand that we have issues with the PHP mail piece of WordPress and you need to go to a send grid or something like that. And if you don't, what happens is I, because I don't do services, but I still get, I do support, right? And I get phone calls all of a sudden their transaction uh, alerts quit everything else. All their emails quit coming through because they were still using that old default PHP. They're getting caught in the spam filters. And then you have to walk them through going to a SendGrid or a, a you know, Mandrill or whoever they're going to use to get into a, an SMTP and then get those alerts coming again. So it becomes a, a kind of a detailed piece if someone was trying to do it or keep up with it themselves and understand what, it, what was happening behind the scenes. Okay, so I have a lot of thoughts on on everything that you, you know you guys just said. Um, I do think that WooCommerce is going to be integrated with WordPress.com as kind of a software as a service as a self-hosted, similar to Shopify. But I see that um, being more for people who just want to get like started with e-commerce or have like a very basic layout because. I think that transition is going to, to to be able to like customize truly like customize a WooCommerce site. I don't see that transition being like right away, like being able to do that, like on self-hosted. Uh, I still think a lot of, or uh, I should say like a hosted solution, excuse me. I do think that there's going to be a need for like self-hosted because there are a lot of people that don't want it to look, uh, you know, like the basic, like WooCommerce, like layout. And, and for that, you're still going to need self-hosted. Um, everything that you're saying is stuff that I've encountered. Uh, it, you know, what, e-commerce is so tricky because everything has to function together. The, the server, uh, the, the plugins like WooCommerce itself, uh, the payment gateways, all that has to like work in coordination. And one little thing falls out of place, uh, you need a developer. Um, you know, I've built like varying sizes of WooCommerce sites. Some are like really simple. They're just like a couple products, basic shipping, pretty straightforward. Even setting that up though, it, you know, you got to make sure your payment gateways are set, your SSL certificate is set, you know, everything, emails working. That's just most straightforward. But when you get into like integrating different things, like say like BuddyPress or you're integrating like different payment gateways, or maybe your hosting isn't great, um, you know, things can go wrong. You got to like move it to SMTP. Um, these things happen and these things are happening to me like right now uh, <laughs> I, with different clients. And, uh, you know, I picked up a different client. They just had their site built by someone else and they weren't super happy. So they ended that relationship, but they need somebody to maintain. Uh, okay. So, okay, let's look at what you need to update. And knowing from just updating like a bunch of other sites, it's like, Okay, you got to get with your hosting company, upgrade your version of PHP. So that's one thing. You got to get like your, you know, uh, theme license from the person who just built it because I think WooCommerce is like rolled into this particular theme. And then we're going to have to, you know, get the licenses for all your extensions. And these are all things that you need a developer for. And maybe this like ties into like our main topic like later, but, you know, it's really easy to just throw something together and, and kind of clutch it together, but making sure that it's going to keep working like six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, that takes a little bit more expertise. And most, well, I don't want to say most, but there are, there are people out there that, that are not up to that 
challenge. And, um, you know, that's what you need a developer for. Um, so I think that subject is pretty much, you know, that's, that's a whole, could be like a whole subject in itself. Uh, so anyway, uh, the second news topic, the second new last news topic, uh, five challenges play plaguing the WordPress security ecosystem. This was featured on Torque magazine. Uh, what were your guys' thoughts on this? Kim. I thought, I mean, Tony was summing it up and Tony's of course, Sukuri and that's the, that's the company I use and I recommend. And, and I think, I think most of his stuff was spot on, you know, yeah, it is still a lot of it is, you know, website owners who don't really understand it, who don't understand why it's important to keep it updated and that kind of thing. He was pointing the fingers at that. And all he did talk about how at least, you know, WordPress has helped us with better passwords now and they don't email the password to you, they email you a reset link at least, you know, so there was some positives, you know, the biggest challenges I think talking about, you know, was, yeah, we are playing more and more to a non-technical audience and how to educate them as to what's important. What are your thoughts, Jackie? Um, yeah, I, he definitely, you know, touched on the five points there that make a lot of sense. You know, everybody deals with clients where they send you these passwords and you're like, okay, it's just your company name with an exclamation point at the end or something simple like that. And, you know, that's the first barrier that, you you know, you're going in. But um, Tony mentioned something in there that I kind of didn't agree with on um, number one, where he just said the platform by design is built for end users, which has directly contributed to WordPress's massive adoption and growth. I would argue that the platform by design is built for people who are implementing the site or building out the site. It's not necessarily designed for end users. If you take somebody um, that owns a pet store, let's just say you're going to build a website for a pet store or something, or, or let's just not even do e-commerce. Let's just back it up. Okay. So you're, you've got a, a dentist office and they're just going to have just a straight up website. Um, managing that site the, if you were to show somebody who's going to be in charge of writing and updating content on the site or blogging on the site and you open up that dashboard and you first show it to them, my guess is they're going to, they're going to be overwhelmed by that. And to, my idea, and, and Tanya Mork and I have been chatting about this quite a bit. And, you know, I envision a, a dashboard that maybe has six buttons on there for that person who is going to be using the site for content creation, right? That's their the main focus of that. A site owner, the, somebody who's handling the administration and configuration, I think that all should be moved to some other area. It mm -hmm. even if it's just a button on there that's site, you know, administration and configuration, or it's actually a separate dashboard completely. But wouldn't it be nice if users could just open up something and had maybe five or six buttons that you know is upload media, um, write content, moderate comments, you know, just simple things because there's things that they would be going in there to do. I think it's just a huge landmine there for users when they start moving around because there's to me, there's not really a consistent 
order of really how things are presented. It's basically started off as a blog and everybody's been just adding on and adding on to it. And it, mm -hmm. from somebody who's getting it today that has never seen it. And, you know, for us, it's easy. And I, you know, if you listen to Morton Rand Hendrickson's talk on empathy, you, that was a total, um, applies to the situation where we see this every day, we use it every day. And to us, it's just normal. It's natural. This is how it is. But to somebody who's never used it before, I think it could be just overwhelming and it's unnecessarily complicated for somebody who's using the using WordPress to be to have to deal with all of the administration configuration settings and the customizer. Customizer is another great thing. That customizer is really for somebody who's implementing the site, who's making design changes to the site. It's not for somebody who's writing content. You're not going to go there when you're updating a blog post or writing new content or editing a page. And um, I just think, so I disagreed with that part in there. And, and, I, and I'm sure it wasn't intentional the way it was worded or anything, but it struck in my mind because I've been having these conversations a lot of it is difficult for somebody who's never seen it. And it doesn't make logical sense when you look at it from a user um, experience perspective. You know, it's just not laid out intuitively for somebody who has never seen it. So that's my comment on that. The rest of the stuff all totally makes sense, you know, about education and just making sure you keep things updated. And um, it's there are vulnerabilities there. They're all manageable. But it all goes back to if you are self-hosting and you, uh, you know, you either need to educate yourself if you're doing it yourself or you need to get somebody to manage the website for you. And I think a lot of us do a disservice to clients when we're taking on a project self-hosted WordPress may not be the best option for them. And I think a lot of times we make it the best option because that's what we do every day. So, you know, we build the self-hosted sites and that's what we're selling, right? Or that's the service that we're doing. But it, I think it's time to dig deeper with some people and find out, is that really the best solution for them? Or is maybe uh, a WordPress.com or some other alternative that is a hosted platform, like even um, a Squarespace or Wix or, you know, something like that, that might be easier to manage that doesn't have all the maintenance issues that um, a site owner has. The worst situation I see is you build out a site, you hand it to them and you never talk to them again. And I've got several clients that couldn't afford support and their site I know hasn't been updated in a year and it's a concern. And I kind of think I've, you know, in hindsight, maybe that wasn't a good choice for them. That's my whole take uh, on that. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot Sorry. of take. Sorry. Uh, no, that's cool. So uh, let me see if I can break all that down. It's um, the the admin panel is like a little. It, it is overwhelming. Let's just say it is. Um, if you're a site owner, you're you're an administrator, um, and you know, unless you have the person specifically set you up as like an editor, say I'm building you a site. I usually try and do that, you know, like you're an editor, so you can't break anything, but invariably, you know, there'll be something where I need to set them up as admin. There's kind of like no in between. So it's like you see everything or you just see what you need to, you know, create stuff. Um, here's another thing that's like really difficult about this is every site is a little bit different because when you add a plugin, like it adds stuff to the menu and, and say if you've got a theme, like every theme is different unless you're, you know, uh, building your own. And, and so those add stuff to them. So every single configuration of WordPress uh, is pretty much unique. 
And I think that makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, so, you know, what, what are your thoughts uh, as far as like educating clients? What do you, what do you guys do to, you know, tell them like, Hey, don't use like password is like your password. I still see people, you know, do that. And, uh, you know, what's your thoughts on that? How much effort do you put into like educating the clients? Like when you're building site and maintaining the site? Since all I do is education, that's all I do. Um, you know, people who come to me are either one, someone who a site has been built for and they want to maintain it themselves or two, 90% of the time people come to me because they want to build it themselves. So they're an entrepreneur. They want to build it themselves. They want to learn the nitty gritty. And so, yeah, they just have to be educated. Uh, is it complex? Is it a little confusing at first? Yes. We just dig into that and get through that piece and you know, then it's just hammering home that you have to keep it up to date, that you don't want to just run out there and put in every plugin known to man, that you have to ask some smart questions of your web host. And these are what those questions are. And, um, you know, so it's mine is just specifically the education and and helping people understand that, yes, there's some complexity here, but at the same time, there's a power that, you know, for the first time, you know, when, and when I started in 1995, I could not teach my 71-year-old mother how to build a website. Wasn't going to happen. Front page wasn't even out yet. Now I have 60 and 70-year-olds building their sites, working on it, taking the effort. And so I, I still think that what we've got now is really a, a just an awesome you know, democratization of, of the internet and people being able to build their platform there. Okay. Um, well, we're about due for a break. So we're going to come back with the main topic, which is evaluating WordPress developer company maintenance service designer. Um, so we'll see you after the commercial. All right, we're back and we're talking the main topic uh, how do you, you know, say you're a business owner, you want to hire someone to build your site or maintain your site. How do you evaluate them? Um, so let's start with some criteria. Um, what, you know, say you're a business owner, you're starting. Um, how would you start searching? Do you just start Googling people and just looking at stuff or how do you reach out to people? How do you compile a list? Are you talking about, so So we're talking from a perspective of somebody yeah. who's looking for a developer or for a service company or is, because I think yeah, there would be yeah. differences. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What, let's talk about like the differences, say, if you're just hiring a, a single person or a service company. Okay. If, um, if I'm looking for one, you know, of course you're going to, probably do some Google research and start searching to see what's going on. Um, I would then check social media too, I think is another place to see um, if the, if the persons that you're finding on Google search that you're interested in, see what kind of social presence they've got and then start evaluating what's on their website. What's their message and what is it that they do? Um, a lot of them, you know, you see a lot of sites, they don't look finished. They don't look like they put much effort into the content. So if you're interested in having a really content rich website, maybe that's not the person that 
you'd want to be working with on that project. Might You might be somebody who's really focused on branding and content strategy and are using a lot of those words on their website. So I think it all rolls back to, for me, is what is it that I want to do first? Try to make a decision about what it is, what do I need? And then start seeing if I can find someone who aligns with what it is I'm looking for versus just, because um, here's a good example. Say you're an awesome web designer. You do a bunch of work for you for rock bands, right? Okay. And I'm a dentist, okay? And I'm looking for a website. You, you may not be the best choice for working with me on that project. I mean, that person's got a niche and they, they have a whole flow of how they're doing things. That might not be a great fit, but you might find another developer that's had, you know, done a lot of medical practice websites and or works with attorneys and does a lot of attorney websites, has knowledge about how to effectively build SEO for them and those types of things. And if that's something you're looking for, then trying to find people who maybe fit the niche that you're looking for would be a good starting point. So, so definitely what you're saying is like specific is better than general. What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, Jackie. And okay. Then Kim. Well, it depends on the size of the project, right? So if you're going to be doing some very, very large project and you go to a 10 up or one of the other big names that are in our space to do work, they're not, they, they may not, they have specific niches within their organization that could help you. But I think if you're a smaller organization looking to do something, then you definitely would want to align with people. Go look at competitors sites that you, that you're competing with or people that are in your industry, see who built their sites, talk to them, see if they were happy with it. Are they still happy with it? If you know, time has gone by um, those, that would be a good place to do some research there. So in that case, I think being specific is still better. What are your thoughts on that, Kim? Do people like hire, do people generally hire like companies that are more specific uh, rather than like generalized? I think, I think it depends. I think, I think Jackie's right. If you know you're in a specific niche and you've got somebody who specializes in that, it's a great place to go. Particularly like, I love when you mentioned dentists, right? If you're talking local business versus global business, those can be very different websites and structured differently. So if I'm a local dentist, I may want to look at who is doing the other local sites, even if they're not dentists, right? Exactly. But the, the guy up on my street and he's getting him, you know, that psychologist down the street, but he's getting him that local flair and that local traffic, that may be where I want to go. Otherwise, yeah, like you mentioned, if some guy's doing a rock band and that's what he focuses on and everything's really, really edgy because it's all rock stuff. And then or let's go even worse. He does heavy metal bands. Oh, right? that's the and best. If, yeah, but about? If, you're, if you're the marriage counselor down the block, that might not be the right look and feel for what you're going for unless you're a marriage counselor for metal bands. I There's Probably a really good niche there. I don't know. It's probably an excellent one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but I, I absolutely agree with Jackie. But And I think also if you're hiring someone, um, I used to have a program because I used to work with a lot of people looking for that. And I had a program called How to Hire a Web Developer Without, Using, Without Losing Your Shirt, Soul, or Sanity. And it was those kinds of things. And I, one of the things is figure out your own requirements. Are you looking, like when you mentioned content, 
Jackie. Some people come and they're like, I have all this content. I'm a great content creator. I need a site developer and a branding person to help me get this into an online platform that's going to serve me. Some people don't even know what content needs to go on their site. And that might be a different developer that works well with them. So they need to know their requirements so that they can talk to the developer about, or the company or whoever, about these are going to be my needs. And of course, if you're just looking for the cheapest, then just quit worrying about this and find the cheapest and you're not going to be happy. Let's just set the, set the bar right there. But sure. And I like how you say, and you're not going to be happy because that's <laughs> usually what happens, right? So, uh, Jonathan, our co-host, my co-host, Jonathan is, uh, coming in from the chat room and he says, I think a good point is using freelancer or agent or a freelancer or an agency that specializes in WordPress rather than an agency or freelancer that uses a number of different platforms. What does the panel think about this? What do you think, Jackie? I agree. I think it's better to go with somebody who specializes in WordPress. Um, if that's what you're, if that's what you're going to do now, if you don't even know that you want WordPress yet, say you're somebody who you decide, okay, I'm an attorney. I want, I need a website for my, my business. We've got three attorneys here. We're growing. We need, you know, maybe they had a little plain page, you know, static page website or something, and now they want a real website. So whether or not WordPress is right for them, there needs to, you have to ask some questions. So they, they need to, that's some, That's the job of when you're interviewing clients, right? And you're talking to clients about a project, you can help them determine whether or not WordPress is a good fit for them based on the questions that you're going to be asking them. Because if um, they don't plan on updating content on their site and they don't plan on writing any blog posts and they don't plan on doing anything, well, then maybe a five-page bootstrap template might be better for them to do. You know, throw something up that's easy to edit um, from a developer's end, right? So that you could, you know, and they're going to pay you to just make updates to it a couple of times a year for them. That might make a lot of sense, has a lot less overhead to managing. You don't have to worry about updates and all of the other things that are going to go with that. So deciding whether, once you've decided WordPress is right for them. So let's say, okay, oh no, we want to, we've got somebody here in our office. They want to write content every week. And we really want to focus on building a local business and get local SEO and, um, get in the search search engines for local searches. Well, then that opens up the door. Yeah, so WordPress is probably a really good solution for them there. So once you've done that, then you can decide what the next steps are going to be. So uh, definitely. So what's your thoughts on that, Kim, as far as, um, say, just determining like whether they, what what platform do they even need? Do they even know? Well, I don't think they should have to know. I mean, yeah. it, granted, if they've exactly. come and they, they know they want WordPress, let's talk. That's that maybe a different discussion. Uh, but, you know, I would more talk to them. How often are they going to update? Are we going to do a blog, et cetera? Having said that, if this is not a mom blogger, if this is not someone who's just doing this for fun and it truly is a business and they have any idea that their business is going to bring them, their online presence is going to bring them business. I'm going to say, you know, you probably do need something built out like your own WordPress site, and you're going to have to blog or do some kind of content updates this often, because otherwise it's just a calling card online. 
And when you're doing the Wix and all of that, it is much, much harder to build any online presence that comes through there other than just sending it out to people as a business card. And that's fine if that's what you're looking for. But I really, when I worked with people like that, and even when I work with people coming to me as students, it's like, these are the hard facts. If you're going to build it, this is what you need to do. And if you want any chance of that being traffic builder for you, this is what you need to do. So that's where I would say from the structure of, do they need a WordPress or do they need something else? If you're going to hire someone for WordPress, I do think it's smart to go with someone who specializes in WordPress, but I'm going to take the next hard question too. And I am going to ask about their technical background. It's one of the issues you do have like with some of the security stuff, right? I started out as a systems person long before WordPress. I mean, I, I was before, I, I, was, I started out in 1989-90 doing system administration and stuff. We didn't even have, we were on CompuServe accounts, okay? Different, all different life. Sometimes some of these things with picking the host and configuring hosts for people and all, it is because someone came and they took my level of WordPress class, which I love and I love my students, but you don't leave my level of WordPress class ready to say you're a developer for other people because you just still don't have enough knowledge. So I would want to dig in a little bit more with them on what that technical and WordPress experience was to see if they were really someone I want to hire. So what are your thoughts on that, Jackie? Like, should what kind of questions should they be asking uh, someone that they're looking to hire, like the, the, the businesses? Uh, should they be asking them technical questions? Should they be asking them about their experience? What, what sort of questions should they have on their shortlist? Well, and I, I think based on what it is they need first. So it depends on what kind of a site they need and whether or not they think they're going to need custom functionality in the site, because that draws the line, just like Kim was saying, which is really great, because there's a lot of people who are really good at implementation. So they can, you can pick a theme, they can get it set up for you, they can get it, um, get the images, the colors and get everything done great. Then there's another person that you would need if you needed to build out some custom functionality that didn't exist or that required some modifications to a plugin or some you know, extensive changes um, throughout. That would involve some more planning to see, you know, because I've done some recent projects where, you know, I had to do a lot of custom coding to get the results that the client needed. It's not something that was available in a plugin. It wasn't something that was a it was a special, special situation. So if and a client may not know that, which is goes back to that whole point that is when you, so when you are interviewing someone, right, for, uh, as a developer, you're trying to find somebody, see what kind of questions they're asking you, because if they're asking you those types of questions where they're probing to find out what functionality you need, what do you need the site to do? Why do you need a website right now? Why, why are you doing this right now? What's the reasoning behind it? And really, like Curtis McHale is really good about helping people understand that, the you know, drilling down and getting answers to some really common questions that should help frame the scope of the project. And then you'll, you'll have a better understanding about who's a good person for that. If through those conversations, you realize that you just need a basic site and it's going to be pretty easy, well, then you know, then you can, you can take your pick of people that you want to work with. The other thing is, is, you know, see how, um, how you interact with that developer or designer. I mean, because a lot of times uh, 
that can be the breaking point in those relationships as they go is, is there may have been signals in the beginning that that wasn't really a good fit and it just gets magnified over time as you go. John and I were talking last week about content and um, this mm -hmm. would probably be a good point to bring this up and to just say this because I, I think it's really good is I'm really rethinking my entire workflow with a client and it's, it started as a conversation that we had about getting all the content together before we start the project. Um, and that to me makes a lot of sense in several ways. One, it builds, it gets you a nice close building relationship with your client at the beginning of the project versus at the end. Because if you notice typical projects, you start off, you start doing your design, you start doing your mock-ups, you do all of those things. And the client's not really participating very much. They're giving feedback when you throw up something on a staging server or say, hey, have a look at these mock-ups, have a look at this. But it doesn't start until you get ready to start integrating all the content. And I'm not just assuming that this is a new client that don't have a site yet. If they've already got a WordPress site and you're, um, you know, and they already have content, well, then it's a good time to go through all that content with them at the beginning of the project, not say, oh, yeah, well, we'll deal with that all later. Let me get all the structure done, and then we'll figure out where we're putting everything. To me, it seems like the, the opposite way would be much more efficient. Um, it would also um, help with discovery about what is really needed. If you're thinking about doing a site and the menu has six items and you get down the road and you're almost done with the project and the client goes, oh yeah, but we also have this other stuff that we wanted to do and these other things. And now that completely skews your entire design. You've got to go back because you didn't scope that part out. And I think we had this, we were talking about this idea and I was like, I think I'm going to really try this. I'll just throw up a plain Genesis framework sample theme and get the content loaded in there with the client's images and, you know, what, what stock images, whatever we were going to use with all of that information, get that in there and just look at the content versus the web design or anything else. And then from there, go and build this out because then you've got, you are, you, first of all, you'll understand their business a lot better if you're going through all the content with them. And if they have an existing site, it's a great time to weed out content that they don't need or see what needs to be changed. And then I think it'll make it much easier and it'll be a lot less iterations of designing and building it out if you're relying at the end of the project, and we all know how this goes, Client doesn't get you the content. They're dragging their feet. Then you start to say, well, do you have any images you can use instead of us getting them? Or then we, oh, well, then they just start sending you blocks of text and expect you to format them all and kind of make it all flow and work. And there's not much thought into that. So if you're looking at content on a site that has no design yet to it, you can really look at all the content and see, okay, well, what's the message here? What's the value? What, you know, what's your branding? How is this going to help? And I think building out your site might be easier. It, it's certainly worth a try, I think. What are your thoughts on this, Kim? 100%. Uh, I, I love the way you put that, Jackie. 100%. I mean, face it, we are all talking about content marketing. <laughs> we need the content. And and you're right. It's that it, sometimes it can be that. That, that's what they've put off and now you're trying to launch the site and you don't have the content. And I mean, even with my students. So when I, when I work with my students, most of my students take my eight hours or less course, which means at the end of the first class, they're gonna have that basic five page, five page site with a contact form and all and a um, 
calendar for how they're going to do their blog posts. That's how my students normally roll. But that's my, like the very first one, we talk about the planning the site, and then it is their homework to go develop that content before we actually start plugging it in, because I can't teach you to plug anything in until we have it. And I think if you're building it out as a service provider, a developer, absolutely, that's going to let you really see what they're trying to do. Because a lot of times when I used to work with clients, they were explaining they wanted to do and what you actually saw, what they brought you, they just, it was like architects and engineers. It didn't go together all the time. So I I, I spot on Jackie. I I totally feel you on that. Um, The content really is the, it's the foundation of like everything that you're doing without the, the message in place. Anything else that we do is really not going to be effective. Um, you know, when you close your eyes and you look at the site, and if you just look at the headlines, uh, you should be able to get the context to what the site is. But for whatever reason, I think a lot of uh, developers, agencies, uh, we put this off until the last second, or the you know, or we don't do this first. We figure we can do the design part and the development part, and the content will just kind of show up at the last. But what ends up happening is the project gets delayed by months and then, you know, it just keeps going and it never gets launched. And then the last, last day you're throwing everything in there. Exactly. So wouldn't it be amazing if the whole scope of the project required the content to be ready before the next phase began? So just, I mean, that would make life so much better. And I think it would help people just really um, understand what it was, their message was, what did they want to say? I think a lot of times they don't know. And I think if a client can't write an about page, you know, just an about us page, yeah. right? Then, and if you can't as a developer, if, you're, if that's not your skill set and you're not really good at that, then partner with somebody who's really good at content creation and sell that as part of your service to do the build out so that you can say, don't worry, I have somebody who will interview you, talk with you, and then they'll put together all of this content. And then that may be the first phase you do. You get them to do that, build out all the content. Once you've got all this content, it makes it so much easier to design it. First of all, if you've got all the images first, you can get a better idea of the the feel for it. If you know how I design, I kind of work, I want to make sure that my images and everything kind of really mesh well with the whole overall look and feel of a site. Well, if you're going and hunting for images at the end of the project to fill in, then you now you're going back to your style sheet and tweaking colors and making changes because, oh, well, this image really isn't going to look good here with these font colors or these background colors. And I think it's just, to me, it just seems like it makes so much more sense. And I don't know why I haven't been doing that earlier on and just looking at it. It just seemed like everybody else was doing it this way. So we all do it that way. But it seems like, It'd be just really an awesome experiment to just say, okay, well, we're going to do this project. Let's gather all our content first, and then let's go pick out all our images that we're going to be using. And then once you've got the content, and then you can start structuring how many pages you're going to need, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, okay, here's all the pages. Um, What images are going on what pages? And you throw that up into a sample theme just to have a look at all the stuff. I think maybe even getting some design ideas might come a lot easier when you have something visual to look at. Never mind the fact that, you know, you could design something for a spot and then they come back with content that takes up twice the amount of space. And now you're like, well, this is skewing my whole design or the wording is throwing off all my footers because there's too many words in this footer line. And, you know, then you're 
you, you know exactly what I'm saying. So, but I, I do think that if you had all of that information up front, you'd have a better relationship with your client. You would um, bond much earlier in the process and kind of gently weaning off at the end instead of just the opposite where they're saying, okay, we'll go off and do your work and then let me know when you're ready. And then, you know, slowly but surely, little by little, you get to the point where you are um, ready to bring in the content. And then you're having a frenzy working with the client. And that's where all of the um, difficulties come, I think, because no one's prepared. Yeah, I agree with you, Jackie. I would, if John dropped out, he'll come back, I guess. I'm sure. um, yeah, I agree. I, I, with the, with letting them know, though, one thing I always did let them know is one of the beauties with the internet is the site's never done. So let's get that first five, 10, whatever pages. But you always need to be adding to your site. It's just part of where we are in the internet now. So, but I would definitely do that. For one, you know, something you, I wasn't even thinking of because I don't do that type of work anymore. But when you brought it up with, if you have the images and you have the text, and you have the content, you have everything else, it, it's going to let you have a site that's fully branded properly, right? If your content is written in this airy, fairy, sweet, wonderful, you know, oxygen network type of, of, of text, right? And yet your colors are red, black, and, you know, super bold, do they go together? And on the other hand, if your content is the way I tend to write, which is very bold, and all of a sudden you've got these little airy, fairy, green, and yellow flowers, it's not going to fit. So it's going to help you as a designer, right? Exactly. Yes, exactly. And that, that's, you know, that I lost my train of thought there. I'm sorry. I'll just go go ahead. I'll think (laughs) of it a second. I'll think of it a second. Okay. We're going to go to a break really quick. Um, And I think that we're not going to go too, too much longer on the main show, but then we're, we can continue, but um, we're going to go to a break. Buying or selling a home in the greater Reno-Tahoe area? I know the best CRS real estate broker, and that's Karen Conrad. And you can find her at karenconrad.com or call directly at 775-527-7021. All right, and we're back, and we're discussing uh, how do you best uh, evaluate a WordPress developer company uh, maintenance service? You know, who are you hiring? And we're talking about, like, content. And here's a question I want to pose to Jackie really quick. So a lot of people, you know, business owners are choosing, they don't know how to choose a WordPress, you know, company or a freelancer. I've had people ask really weird questions like, do you have a day job? You know, is this your side job? Is this your full-time job? I, I get that a lot actually, because I think a lot of people, uh, it's kind of like their side gig, I guess. Uh, but you know, say you're an average business owner, say you're, you know, not looking to spend like, you know, 50000 on a site. So you're not going to hire like, you know, necessarily like an agency, but maybe, you know, uh, a one or two person team. How do you evaluate people when it comes to like process and the content? Because I think that people are used to one type of process or they, you know, whatever process their last person, you know, used. Uh, you know, how do you deal with it? I think, you know, when people like push back and say, no, this is what we want this process to be. They may not be the right client the right client for me to work with at that point. I have to really look and see exactly, uh, you know, if it's something I'm going to be willing to do, if it makes sense. I, I'm certainly not going to 
do a project that's going to turn out poorly um, and kind of knowing that up front. And it might be better to just send them somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of my thoughts as well. Um, you know, uh, but as far as that, like, Kim, have you ever, you know, as far as that, do what do you look for when clients are trying to hire you? I mean, as far as that, you know, are they going to be, you know, follow your process or, or, you know, I think it varies, but, you know, the, the people you talk to. Um, so, yes, when I actually did work for people, I have had a detailed planning document and process that had to be followed. And sometimes that, that just determined that they weren't the right client for me. They would look at it and go, well, I'm, I don't have time to sit down and tell you all this. Well, I don't have time to make your site. And so I did have a very detailed planning guide. And, and similar as, a, as an instructor, I have a here's the class, here's the syllabus, here's what we're going to do, and here's what you're going to commit to. And if that's too much planning for you, then, then I'm just, I'm not even the right instructor for you or the right coach. All right, Jonathan Denwood is joining us, my beloved co-host. <laughs> you did great. You did great, John. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great conversation. I, I agree with a lot of what Jackie said. Um, I just don't think there's, it's really difficult to find a optimized process. Um, I think one of the, um, I think one of the things Jackie, um, it was over a year ago, it was from, um, from the same area as John from Sacramento, the Bournes, they, um, they produced a lot about their process where they sent a lot of drip email and they, um, where they kept the client informed, but they weren't having to send all the email themselves. And um, they've got some interesting posts on their web, they, John? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and yes. I, I think it's really important to have, uh, you know, a set process to where, you know, you are guiding the project and it's a repeatable thing it's not something you're making up you know kind of on the fly like each time um it's definitely like a big part of having a successful project is knowing uh you know how the whole process is going to go and and you know following it step by step um i think to kind of wrap up the main show let's ask like one more question and and uh this would i'm gonna pose it to jackie and then kim and then Jonathan, uh, how much should you know potential clients be looking at what other people are saying about the person that they're going to hire? Should you be looking at reviews? Uh, should you be looking at what people in your industry are saying? Uh, should you be looking at Yelp, Google, you know, uh, or you know, just publications about them? You know, where do you go look to find out if this person is reputable or not, or if they're just you know, talking hot air. Jackie. Well, oh, that, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I think if, you know, if they have an online presence and they are, you know, active in the community, that's really a good sign that they're engaged in, in the community and they're part of the solution, I guess, and trying to help other people. And, you know, maybe if they contribute some of their time to help others and maybe if they write like you do, John, John, you do a really great job. You write a lot of great blog posts on your site that help people. And I think 
that's a good sign if uh, if that's what you're looking for. Not to say that there aren't some fantastic people who choose not to do those things, but and put out really great work. So you you know testimonials are nobody's going to put a bad testimonial on their website. So I would look yeah. at that with a grain. It's almost like, yeah, well, at least there are some people that have said nice things about you. So that's okay. But I don't, I wouldn't use that as my only gauge for uh, that more. So first of all, make sure that, you know, if they have a portfolio on their website, does it align with the, what it is you're interested in doing? So like I, like I was saying earlier, if somebody's, um, somebody told you this person's great, they're awesome, and you go, and all they're doing is rock bands, and you're trying to open a dentist office, they may be great at it, but it just they just may not have the skills to help you effectively get your message out. They just may not be the right fit there. So more so, does it align with what it is that you want to do? So do they have a portfolio on their site? Is their site finished? You know, just call, look at look for simple things like that. And then uh, when you do contact them, how do they want to communicate? Do they answer you within a day or does it take a week before you get an answer back? Some of those are good things to look out for red flags that um, might be an issue. And if you, when you first talk to them, what kind of questions are they asking you? Do they, are they interested in learning really specifics about your project or do they just want to give you a price for a website, take it or leave it. And, you know, we'll, don't worry, we'll get it all worked out once we get started. That's a red flag to me because there's going to be problems then. It's much better if you ask questions in the beginning. Somebody in my position, I really want to understand why somebody wants a website. What's the purpose of it? What, what are their expectations? What is their, what's the ROI that they're looking to get on this? Because when you're selling it, it's, it's an investment. And if, it, and if it's, they're trying to get the cheapest thing possible, okay, if you've got time in your schedule and you want to do that, that's perfectly fine to do it. But um, understanding where they're coming from and what their goals are. And if what their goals are and what their budget is doesn't really align, you're not doing them a service unless you explain that to them. You really do need to do that. Donald Brandt in the chat room says, I give the developers some simple tasks before I let them work for me. And the reason for that is one developer had high prices but low quality sites. I think that's uh, you know, a really good uh, idea too is, is doing a small project. And then if the communication is good, the process is good, the chemistry is good, and you know everything uh, works correctly, then move on to like a bigger project. Uh, Kim, you know, as far as that, like reputation, as far as you know, doing uh, some sort of small project first, is that a good way to start? I I like the small project. If you have something small, you can give them. I think that's great. Um, one thing that I had a lot when I did work with that was. If it's a local developer is, you know, get out there and, and, you know, a lot of times if you're not going to online and picking people through Google that you don't actually know, a lot of times if you're a small business, you're actually finding someone in the local community. Ask around. A lot of times you can talk to people that are not on their website, right? Not on their testimonials, but find out and find out not just what the quality of was, but was it done on time and how responsive were they? 
Um, I, there was once upon a time I got a lot of business about because some developers just they take everybody's money and then they disappear. And maybe it would get done over time, but they weren't even responding to phone calls and, and that type of thing. So especially if you're dealing with a small local developer and you can ask locally, find out, you know, particularly how responsive were they and did the site, you know, if you gave them the content, that part's on you, if you got the content to them, did they actually give it back to you on time or three months later, were you still sitting there saying, hey, where, you know, where are we with this website? No, and I... Yeah, I think that... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I think that's... I think that's... <laughs> I think that's great, um, Kim. I, I really... Um, I feel sorry for people, really, because I, I think it's extremely difficult situation. I know, I know a few local agencies that um, that you know that are really great at PR and print, but they're not really that great when it comes to web development. And re reality, they're coming out most of the work to freelancers like John, like Jackie, and they're um, basically marking up by over 50%. Um, um, but it just goes with the territory, doesn't it? You know, it's just a fact of the industry. Um, it's it's freelance, it's subcontracted-based industry. So um, after to go to agency, um, you really don't know who really is doing the work. Um, it's just a very difficult situation. I think that's a, that's a really intriguing thing, and, and that's something we didn't really talk about. There are like a lot of agencies that are maybe good at print, or they're good at maybe like pay-per-click, and they also kind of sell websites on the side, but you know, maybe generally speaking, they just hire like the you know local college kid to do it, and you you don't maybe know actually who's doing the work, so that might be a good question to ask, uh, mm -hmm. as far as, uh, you know who's actually doing the work, and something that the panel said before as well. What you know? What is their expertise? Is it really web design or is it just print? And they kind of do web design on you know also do that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. As Jonathan, as far as like you, when you've hired developers in the past, you know, how do you evaluate their reputation? You know, do you kind of Google stuff? Do you find out? Because I, I, I find that a lot of local business owners, and nothing against them, but I think this happens a lot. It's just whoever they meet at the local chamber of commerce. Uh, oh, okay, you can do my site or. Whoever comes up in Google, um, oh, okay, you can do my site, and they kind of don't dig deeper and find these red flags that maybe do exist. Um, how do you evaluate the people you hire? Uh, uh, I think for that, I think for those type of um, clients, it's extremely difficult. Um, I, I think what Jackie said, and also Kim. Um, I would just try and have a couple small jobs and um, updates for my website, have a small brief to do some updating, 
and see how responsive that person is in attitude. Do they answer their phone call? Do they answer their email? Um, I've been trying to hire, I'm not going to go in detail, but John knows, I've been trying to hire um, somebody to do a Pacific service and um, they're not even answered the email. They're not even, I've had a couple of people not even answer their, when I've left a voice message, um, they don't even call back when it's even a new job. Um, so um, I think the, um, I'm trying to find the right words here, that the, you know, the, uh, it's a very diverse industry, um, but you'd be surprised the number of people that don't respond to email, don't even respond to a voicemail. No, I, I definitely think. I don't think you should. Oh hide. yeah, I definitely, I definitely. You shouldn't hide. You shouldn't yeah, hide those I definitely think in web design, web development, that is like a, a very low bar. That anybody that is responsive and communicates with their clients, you're going to get work because. What I found is probably like 75% of my work, the clients that I have now have had a bad experience before and it's just if you respond to them and communicate with them and just, you know, are honest with them, you're already ahead of like tons of people. So, yeah. Yeah, because it's very similar if you are hiring an electrician or a plumber or, look, I, I can't, I'm not an electrician. I have no capacity to tell you if an electrician is doing a good job or a bad job. I don't know. I, could have, I couldn't look at the work and tell you, is that guy done a load of shortcuts? Has he bodged all this up? Because all he cares about is getting the job done as quickly as possible and making as much money out the job as possible. And it's the same with website development. A normal person, how they would have no clue looking at the site or the code. Are you a total bodger or are you somebody that, you know, has some reasonable standards? They have no, no capacity to, t to make that kind of judgment call. So like me, they would go by how responsive that person is. Do they give me options? Um, is there problems? How do they deal with the problems? Um, do I get a bad feeling about their attitude? It, it's kind of soft things because I wouldn't be able to judge their electrical. Work. No, you can't really, t you can't. And that is difficult. And that's why I'm asking that as far as like, you know, reputation and explaining process and all that, all those things. Because again, like if people who are hiring like Kim or Jackie or myself or you, they don't really know how to evaluate. And, and that's why I thought this episode would be like helpful is because a lot of people just don't know how to make that decision. They usually go by, you know, just price or, you know, Hey, like that's a person who came up or like somebody recommended that person and they could totally botch the job or they might do good. I mean, it's, and it's really a crapshoot. You don't know. Well, it's even worse than that because uh, I know a local company that's highly recommended by a number of people in this area. And I know that they're total mm -hmm. bodgers, but they're, they're very, very good at their PR. They're, they're, they're extremely good about building up local relationships ah. and their PR. 
but I, I know because I've, I've worked for them and I know that they're yeah. total bodgers. <laughs> That, you, know, um, you know, another point too that I that I was um, going through on my end is when when you're talking to developers, um, if they're not bringing up to you that a lot of the plugins that you're going to be using are all third-party plugins, and that you need to be aware that the way you get your website today may not stay that way because it's dependent on a lot of moving parts that you don't have control over. Um, and, and you need to really explain that to clients and, and you need to ask like, what um, what are you going to, how are you gonna build my website? What, what tools are you gonna install? What plugins are you gonna install? Are they premium ones? Do they, am I gonna to have to, is this a recurring payment that I have to pay every year? And if not, and a lot of them will go, well, oh, we, there's free ones out there, we can get them for you. They may be poorly coded and they, or they may become obsolete, they may be abandoned, they may not work anymore. So when you're building out a site, one of the things I even put in my contract at the end is, you know, um, these things I don't have control over. You need to be aware that this is, this is where this functionality on your website came from. Um, because it's, they'll look at you later like, well, you built it. <laughs> and yep. you may not have built everything that, you know, have control over. And you may not, unless you want to adopt that plugin and fix it yourself, um, you know, there, there may be challenges going forward with that. And I think a good developer will be somebody who explains those things to clients when you make those choices. Like, how many plugins do you really need? And every time you add one, you need to be aware that this plugin may not be updated anymore. Something may occur, and you need to be prepared to make changes in the future. I would, I so agree with that. And also, even like a person should ask, like you said, what are you building this with, and what are my ongoing costs going to be? Because, for example, some of those back when I built sites, some of those WooCommerce sites that I built for people, there was six or $700 a year in extensions they had to have. Now, I let them know that, but if your developer's not letting you know that, you know, it should be something, it is something you might want to start asking in the conversation if you're, build, if you're doing this. The other thing with that is I, I would highly be cautious of developers that insist that they do all your hosting for you. Because as developers, I get why it's nice to have your own systems and stuff, but I have seen so many people hijacked by unethical developers where, yeah, really? Because it's on my server now. How do you think you're going to get it? Because of some issue between the two. So I tend to recommend to people, register your own domain name and have your own web host. Now, that doesn't mean you're gonna always get to have the $3 a month web host and have it function right. Listen to your developer, respect them, and get a level of hosting that they recommend. But I would not turn my stuff over to them to put on their servers and have control over. That's a red flag for me. I definitely recommend yeah. you know a few hosts to clients and then give them choices on which ones they want. And if they wanna use a host I'm not familiar with, there may be additional costs for my time mm -hmm. on, on that. So I can say, here's ones I'm familiar with. I know how to get in there and get things set up for you. So that's included in the price we're talking about. If you've got some other hosts that you want to use, there will be, you know, an extra charge for doing that. So and then this way they've got the freedom to pick the one that they want, but at least it's ones that I'm comfortable working in. Yeah, I, comp I completely agree with you there. And I would I would add to it if they wanted one of those other ones. I even do this when we teach. When we teach, I'm going to teach this, and this is what it's going to look like. And if you're doing something else, one, 
you may have to call your host about some of this because it may not look right or act right. And two, it may not perform well. And if it doesn't, don't look at me because I don't know what you're picking. Some of them aren't even on a even remotely updated PHP version. You know, I mean, you'll find these things out later on. You're like, you know, I did one not too long ago. I did some updates on a client site and that was an issue for them. They weren't even. And so when these other plugins they got, well, they wouldn't run on the version of PHP that their host was on. And it ends up taking a lot of support time. And if you're not building that into the cost of delivering that product to the client, they need to be aware that, you know, if you're asking me to go to uncharted territory to work, then there's going to be additional expenses involved with that. Yeah, no, so I agree. Well, uh, I think that's a great point, Jackie. I'll tell you, um, I've been supporting a non-profit website for a few years and I've built the site for them. And um, there's a plug, there's some plugins there. And I'll tell you, the hosting provider, it's GoDaddy. And um, they went with GoDaddy and I, I told them from day one not to go with them. And they've got the domain. They wanted everything simple, so fair enough. And um, so these plugins won't work now. And I said, "You've got to, you know, you." They've got no effective email support. You've got to ring them up. So they run them up. They spent like an hour and a half waiting for their call to be answered, and they gave up. And now they, every time. I do anything on this site, they send me an email like somehow it's my fault. And I haven't got I haven't got two hours of my life to spend with GoDaddy. Um, um, so it's up to them to call because they got everything done for free, Jackie. Yeah. Um, and I can't spend two no, hours. No, and on that's the exactly the that's the issue there. When you're being asked to work in an environment that you're not comfortable with, or that you definitely think is going to be challenging, then that needs to be priced into your product. You you need to be clear up front when you're talking with clients in the beginning. Here's the hosting choices I recommend. Um, if you're not going to go with one of those, then there'll be a separate estimate for working on that host for you. And that's got to be just, that's there. So I'm not deploying it on there unless it's that you pay that up front. So just, there it goes. I just no, did that last yeah, week, actually. I, I, I won't work with a client that insists on that. No, a lot of people in the community have got a very different position. It's only mine. Um, it's very, I just won't work with a client that insists that that site's got to be on GoDaddy. And there's a couple of others that I'm not too keen on, uh, and um, but GoDaddy, I just won't deal with them when it comes to hosting. Uh, I've just got better things with it's, my time. Uh, I, it's not a project I would do either. I, I wouldn't take it at all. <laughs> Sorry, GoDaddy. <laughs> so definitely, well, they're not going to be. They're not going to be. Um, no, um, no, they're uh, not. They're not calling you, Jonathan, to be. No, it's not yeah. happening. <laughs> so de I mean, definitely. So that it that is the thing. Like you know, perhaps like the best. Uh, you know, a, a good sign would be like your developer, your agency, your your maintenance company, whoever. They're not just going to be a yes person and tell you like, yes, you can do everything that you want to for no money per month. Um, they're going to give you like good suggestions 
that you should probably follow because I mean, if you've, you know, got somebody good, they're going to, you know, make, they're going to listen to you. They're going to ask Socratic questioning, you know, keep digging deeper, ask questions. Uh, They're going to have a process and they're going to give you like great suggestions for like hosting and, uh, you know, have a plan for implementing like, you know, if there's plugins or whatever, um, they're going to recommend ones that are going to be supported in a year or two. Uh, and, you know, perhaps if you need custom development, they can do, do that too, or at least, you know, have access to someone who can. Um, so those are all definitely things to look for. And they have a track record of success. I mean, you know, that's Agreed. pretty important. So um, I think that we have covered this subject, you know, how to evaluate someone and hire them pretty extensively. Um, so, Everybody, tell us how you can get a hold of you. Kim, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, they can get a hold of me at either at Kim Shivler on Twitter or howtobuildanonlinecourse.com. Cool. Jackie, how do people get a hold of you? You can find me on my website at JackieDelia.com or on Twitter at jdelia. And um, I'm pretty active on Twitter, so I'm sure I'm sure you'll find me if you're there. Jonathan, how do people get a hold of you, my beloved co-host? <laughs> um, I best get me on Twitter at Jonathan Denwood. Um, I do monitor it and I do I do reply to people, which is amazing. It's amazing about the people that don't reply to anything. Ah, on cool. Twitter. And you can get a hold of me at my site, lockdowndesign.com. I'm on Twitter as lockdown underscore. And if you're in the Sacramento area, this is going to be a cheap, shameless plug. If you live anywhere near Sacramento, vote for me at the, uh, you know, sacramento.cityvoter.com best local blogger. I am trying to win. So there you Can go. Can people outside of that area vote? Um, Probably, but they might flag it. Uh, they might flag okay. it as being outside the area. So I'm just trying to be safe and get people to well, vote inside the area. Good luck, John. Good luck. Yeah, good you luck. do a fantastic job of marketing yourself. So I can't <laughs> see why you wouldn't get it. Yeah. Uh, they tried to take me down this, like yesterday. I had to argue with them. They're like, you're a web design business. And I said, huh, that's weird because, you know, here's my stats of, you know, people who come to my site and, uh, you know, here's all these other businesses that are in there that have blogs. Are you going to take them out too? And they said, well, we decided to reinstate you for a little bit. So there you go. We're, they're going to decide internally. Because I think that is the thing. There's a lot of like, and I said, like, you, you, it, the rules are not clear. It's not just mommy blogs or, uh, you know, food blogs or whatever. So uh, there's lots of businesses that blog. So, yeah. All right. Yeah.